of you here this morning were going to go on the Israel trip? A few of you? Well, you're not going. <laughs> and uh, Pastor Jeff asked if I would uh, teach for him while he's out of town. So he said to me, um, you know, I'll be there because our trip canceled. And I went, no, you're not going to be here. You're going to take your wife. You're going to get out of town. So he did. So he went to Windsor. No, no. <laughs> yeah, so praise the Lord. It's good to have you. It's good, I'm, it's good for me to be here. Um, Labor Day weekend, first part of September, I was here last time. And it was the first part of a two-part uh, teaching called Finishing Well. And those of you that weren't here on that Labor Day weekend service, that teaching is on the church website, and it was focused on Joshua, Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9, because Joshua and Caleb were two that finished well in their life as we look at characters in the scripture. But today we're going to look at part two for Caleb, and we're going to focus on him, and we're going to see what the Lord has for us as we examine his life. When we look at the book of Numbers, the book of Deuteronomy, the book of Joshua, the book of Judges, his name shows up. And as we think about what he lived through and the testimony that ended up coming out of his life, what I see is three things that stand out. And those of you that are taking notes, you can use these as the three main points for today. First of all, Joshua was a man of vision and faith. Vision and faith. So, I said Joshua. Well, he was that too, but we're talking about Caleb, okay? Caleb, vision and faith. Secondly, Caleb was a man of valor and courage. And thirdly, Caleb was a man with a view to impact the next generation. And we're going to see that in the scriptures that we're looking at today. We're going to be in the book of Joshua in chapter 14 and chapter 15. So if you'll turn there, we will uh, get started. And just before we begin, you know, as I'm, cons as I'm looking at this um, Operation Christmas Child, I, I need to tell you a story my, my oldest son was a missionary in Ukraine from 2006 to 2012. And while they were down there, uh, the, the shoeboxes from Samaritan's Purse came down into that little village. And my granddaughter, um, she was so impacted by these shoeboxes that she was involved in passing out to her friends there in this small village that she asked the Lord to someday allow her to work for Samaritan's Purse. Well, 2023, she turned 21, and Samaritan's Purse hired her. And so they trained her and sent her out to a location I'm not allowed to say, but she's working for Samaritan's Purse. And yeah, so that's a joy, joy to our hearts. So let's begin with a word of prayer and... Um, Let's see what God has for us this morning, all right? We welcome you online, too. You can bow your heads and put down your coffee and just pray with us, okay? Let's pray. 
Father in heaven, we know that you are right here among us because the Holy Spirit helps us to understand the the things that are not understandable about you, God, who you are, what you're like, what your ways are, what your heart is like. And as we read the word of God, we know, Lord, that there are things that are allowed to be included in these scriptures that we need for today. We need to be reminded of your ways because you're looking to work right now in the 21st century through us. And so we're asking now, Lord, you'd speak to us because you're the one that knows our life. You know where we've been. You know what's going on right now. And you know what the future holds. So, Lord, speak to us this morning through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, before we jump into verse, one, verse 6 of chapter 14, I need to lay a little groundwork a little historical background on Caleb. Now, the great part about this particular section of Scripture is Caleb gives us some time stamps of his age. We know that he's 85 years old at this particular time in Joshua 14, verse 6. 85. Now, a lot of us at 85 are, are not going to be as feisty as, as Caleb is here. But let's roll the time stamp back a bit. He says in this section also that he was 40 years old when Moses sent those 12 spies out to spy out the land of Canaan. Joshua and Caleb were among those 12 spies. Caleb was 40 years old. And we also know from Scripture, reading through that it was two years from the time that Israel left Egypt to the time they came to the base of the promised land when these 12 spies were sent out. That means Caleb was 38 years old when he left Egypt. And that's important because as we roll back the time stamp more, that means that when Caleb was born... Moses wasn't around. He was over on the backside of the desert walk, watching his father-in-law's sheep. So what was going on with Israel at the time? When Caleb was born, it was oppressive. There was such oppression, unfairness. There was slavery going on. The Jews were in such a terrible life situation with no outward proof of any change at all. That was the world Caleb was born into. And yet, where did he get his faith in the promises of God when there was nothing outwardly to prove that things were changing like the promises of God seemed, you know, were telling us was, were going to happen? I think it, it had to have to do with his dad and his mom. They were parents of faith who instilled into their young little boy the hope and the promises of God, not hope in your outward circumstances. Because there was nothing to hope in outwardly. 
And for 38 years, Caleb grew up under slavery. Yet he had this vision and this faith that carried him to the place of prominence so that only two years after they left Egypt, he was one of the 12 that uh, they were like, he was like coming to the surface. There were 600,000 men plus women and children that came out of Egypt. Why Caleb? It's like the Lord knew what was in Caleb's life and caused him to rise up and be a noteworthy man of faith in the midst of such faithlessness. And so he heads out and he looks at that territory for 40 days along with his 11 colleagues, Joshua and Caleb, came back with a story of like, God's got this. We're going to do this. This is wonderful. But the other 10 were terrified because in their mind it was certain death. You'll note that they said the, the cities are walled up to heaven. Really, how, how tall is that actually? Walled up to heaven. Um, it's in, isn't it fascinating that when we yield to fear, it grows? And, and all of a sudden, the mountain that's before us, the challenge that's before us, takes on IMAX proportions. All of a sudden, the obstacle is, is walled up to heaven. There's no way. Fear has a tendency to embellish the reality. And that's why it's important to, have the, to look at our mountain, our challenge, through the eyes of faith and not through the eyes of fear. Because fear is a very real element. I mean, you and I both know what, it, what it's like to come into a situation that's fearful. And you know that, that gut feeling that comes up and just tries to take over. Yes, there were giants in the land. Yes, there were cities that just seemed, how are we ever going to conquer this city? The walls were impregnable. But yet, if, if you're looking this way, you miss heaven's perspective. Because from heaven's perspective, you look down, and they're just, the giants are dots. You know, the, the giants are dots from God's perspective. They're not bigger than he is. What was it about Caleb and Joshua that made them different? Well, the Lord talks about it in Numbers chapter 14, verses 24, verse 24. God says regarding Caleb. Now, would to God he would say that regarding us. Here's what he says. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully. Those three words, followed me fully. I will bring into the land where he went, and his descendants shall inherit it. Follow me fully. That's going to occur again and again and again around the whole testimony of Caleb's life. What's it look like to follow the Lord fully? Because it implies you can follow the Lord not fully. 
it, it, it implies you can dabble with the Lord, which means you have your feet in two worlds. You have your feet in your religious life, and you have your foot in the world, and you don't want to let go of the world or the world system. You don't want to let go of your life of sin. You, you want to try to keep it and, and bring it along into your religious life. Well, Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. For either he will love the one and hate the other, or he will serve the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money, he said. Caleb was all in. He wholly followed the Lord. That means that God has preeminence in every single area of his life his thought life, his attitudes, his motives, his words, and his actions. Well, it sounds like a fanatic to me. Well, that's because on the flip side of wholly following the Lord is life. Because when you're all in with the Lord and all he has for you, it, it fills you with the life a kind of quality you cannot get from anything you can acquire in this life. No relationship, no possession, no position, no education accomplishment can fill your life with such purpose as the Holy Spirit can do when he comes into your life, when, you're, when you turn over the keys of your life to God. He wholly followed the Lord. Numbers 32, verses 11 through 12, the Lord says, Surely none of the men who came up from Egypt from 20 years old and above shall see the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because they have not wholly followed me, except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, and Joshua, the son of Nun, for they have wholly followed the Lord. If you've toyed with things with the Lord and, and you're, you're considering it, maybe you're watching online and, and you're thinking, okay, what's this all about? My cousin told me to watch this and so I'm doing it and here you are and, and you've got your uh, coffee and things right there. Well, I just want to ask you, what if it's true? Because I just want to say, that's what I asked. And it was terrifying to me because if it's true, that means that I can't have both worlds. But I want to say to you that are watching online especially, I didn't do this in the other services, but I just want to say to those of you watching online, it's worth it. If you let go and surrender your life to God, he will make it real to you like nobody can explain it. And so I want you to think about that as you listen to our study. And to the rest of you that are here, if any of you are here and you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, you haven't trusted in him, I want you to ponder this because it's worth it. I was age 18 when I surrendered my life to Christ but I fought so hard against it because I was afraid. 
And God in his patience just reasoned with me. You know, he's a good fisherman. Some of you like to fish. And you know, the goal is to tire the silly thing out. And so when you hook the fish, you don't just like yank them in across the thing. You know, you have to tire them out. And so uh, there are times you need that, that you let the line go out. And they think, <laughs> I got away with this. Well, uh, all of a sudden, you know, you're being yanked. That was me. I'm going, no, nah, I don't want that. And so I'm thinking I'm fine. And then there was this, uh, and and all of a sudden, the Lord was pulling me back to himself. He's a great fisherman. Those of you that are Christians in here, you know he reeled you in. You didn't reel him in. Jesus said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I'm not sure what that has to do with our study, but it just was there. Okay? So, yeah, those of you listening online, think about it. Okay. Joshua was a man of vision and faith coming out of Egypt. He was also a man of valor and courage. And when we look at verse 6 to verse 11, I want you to hear him because it has been 45 years since God gave him the promise of his portion of the inheritance. He had to wait 45 years. How do you hold on to a promise of God for 45 years? The only way is through faith. Because you know... Caleb saw all of his friends die. All of his family die. His mom and dad, his aunts, his uncles, all his friends, everything. And he ends up, just him and Joshua left. He's 85 years old, and he's talking to Joshua here. And I want you to hear his feistiness. Because I tell you what, Caleb is ready to do the damage. All right? Follow me here. Verse 6, chapter 14 of Joshua. Then the children of Judah came to Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old, when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now here I am this day, 85 years old. As yet, I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Now, here's a guy you didn't want to meet on the street and cross him. I mean, this guy was ready. He's 85. He's not some old frail guy and pointing at his cane at 
Caleb, you know, and trying to pretend he's, he's, he's doing well. I'm not sure what he was eating, but he was doing well. Valor and courage. He persevered in faith. So what's he really ask for? Verses 12 to 15. <clears throat> now, therefore, based on all that I've just said, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. <clears throat> for you heard in that day how the Anakim were there. These were giants of people. And that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. He was ready to die getting it. His life was sold out. And he says here, it may be that the Lord will be with me. You know, if the Lord's with you, that all that matters? Because if he's not with you, you're on your own. Is the Lord with you? You know, he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You know what, you know what the word forsake means? Abandoned. How many people have abandoned you in your life? But the Lord will never abandon you although he may not come through like you think is proper. And God will do it his way. You've got to trust him. So, here's Caleb saying, I want this place called Hebron. And the question is, why? It's not like Galilee. For those of you that didn't, make it to Israel, you'll make it eventually. One way or the other, <laughs> we're going to be there. In, you know, when we come down with Jesus or, or here in this life. But Galilee is, is so lush. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. The south is basically Phoenix, Arizona. I mean, it's just, it's just desolate. Why would he want Hebron? <clears throat> 1984, I was on a, a tour of Israel with some missionary Baptist pastors. I'm not sure how I got mixed in with that, but I was there. And we went to Hebron. You could do that back then. And so we pull into Hebron through the dusty, dusty section, and here's this little oasis of an area, a few palm trees and things, but it was just desolate. And so I'm thinking, um, why would Caleb want this? What's so important about this? Well, what's important about Hebron is that the fathers of faith were buried there. And the whole area testified of a legacy of faith. And that's what Caleb wanted in his life. A legacy of faith, faithfulness, wholly following the Lord. And that's important to think about because Sometimes the Lord has us in situations of life that are not super flourishing. And we can think like, um, how come I'm stuck here? But what is God trying to do while you're in this season, in this place right now? Instead of despising the days of small things, 
it's time to to just repent in your mind and say, okay, God, I'm going to, I'm going to change the channel and I'm going to say, you have me here. You're with me here and I want to learn everything I need to learn while I'm here because I don't want to go around this mountain again. So give me faith and courage to take what you're doing in my life right now and learn everything I can from it because everything's for a season. Folks, everything's for a season. All right. We've seen Caleb as a man of, of vision and faith. We've seen Caleb as a man of valor and courage. And now we're going to see him impact the next generation, a view to impacting the next generation, chapter 15, starting in verse 13. It says here, Now to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, Joshua gave a share among the children of Judah, according to the commandment of the Lord to Joshua, namely, the area of Kirjath Sefer, Kirjath Arba, rather, which is Hebron. Arba was the father of Anak, so it was named according to the giant who dwelt in that area. And I want you to highlight verse 14. Caleb drove out the three sons of Anak from there, Shishai, Ahima, and Talmai, the children of Anak. These were three huge men that controlled the area with all their powers. And Caleb, an 85-year-old servant of the Lord, drove them out. Do you know that there were whole tribes of Israel that couldn't drive out their enemies from their territory? What was the difference in this guy? Talk about the Terminator. I mean, he's, what, what is it? His faith, trusting God. God was strong on his behalf, not because he was, you know, such an Arnold Schwarzenegger, but because he trusted God in his situation. And we're going to see here that it impacted his nephew. His nephew is Othniel. Follow along with me here, verse 15. And Caleb went up from there to the inhabitants of Deber, the next area, the next town. Formerly the name of Deber was Kirjath-Sephir. And Caleb said, He who attacks Kirjath-Sephir and takes it, to him I will give Aksa my daughter as wife. Now, this was supposed to be a prize. Well, Caleb's 85. How old's his daughter? And I'm, I'm thinking, is, is she like a super knockout, like Miss Hebron? Or, or is, you know, what's going on here? How, how old was she? And this guy's going to risk his life to marry her? I mean, I think like this as I'm looking at Scripture. Okay, be a man of faith and just, you know, go along. But think it through. It says here in verse 17, So Othniel, the son of Kenaz, the brother of Caleb. So Othniel was his nephew. He took it. He took that city. And Caleb gave him Aksa, his daughter, his wife. And the question is, why on earth would Othniel risk his life in conquering this area just to marry Caleb's daughter as a, 
as a prize, as, as like a gift. The only thing I can say, outside of her being some knockout, is that Othniel wanted to be linked with Caleb's family because of Caleb's testimony of faith. Do you know that Othniel became Israel's first judge? I believe Caleb's legacy of faith impacted his nephew to make him say, I'm going to believe in Caleb's God with all my heart. I want to wholly follow the Lord and I want to be linked with him. And here's a question. Do you realize that God wants to impact your relatives through your faith? They're watching you. And I know that Thanksgiving is coming up and relatives can tend to gather for Thanksgiving dinner. And that always is not, not, not always is that a happy event. Because you knew that Uncle George is going to show up. And everybody's nervous about Uncle George. Now, if you have an Uncle George, this is just random, okay? <laughs> Uncle George, he tends to talk about himself and his accomplishments and his toys and everything, and he dominates the conversation at the Thanksgiving table. And, and you just want to throw your mashed potatoes at him, you know? You just want to say, shut up in Jesus' name, you know? <laughs> And then, and then, oh, it's crazy. Sometimes in your Thanksgiving dinner, nobody knows the Lord but you. And then they say, oh, Bob, uh, you're a religious person. Would you like to pray for our meal? And it's like condescend, you know, condescending. And you just, there's part of in the back of your mind, you're thinking, you pray for your own meal, you know. And, and you've got to reel it in because that's the flesh. And it's not a time to stand on the table and preach the gospel. I mean, I mean, come on, you know. But you do want to say a few things. But then the Lord, Holy Spirit just says, bless them. And bless the food. And in the meantime, you're like grumbling. Kind of reminds me of my dog. Yeah, you know, when I tell my dog to sit when he wants food, he sits and does whisper barks. You know what that is? You know, I'm trying to be obedient. Well, that's like the flesh. You know, when the Holy Spirit's trying to control your life, your flesh is going, you know, whisper barks. Sorry, it's just an image that popped in. So let's go back to the text. AXA. Okay. Well, Verse 18. So it was when she came to her husband that she persuaded him to ask her father for a field. Uh, just some extra blessing. And so he did that, and then she responds by then going to her father. And it says here, So she dismounted from her donkey, and Caleb said to her, What do you wish? And she answered, what kind of husband have you given me? No, she didn't say that. She answers, give me a blessing since you have given me land in the south. Give me also springs of water. 
So Caleb gave her the upper springs and the lower springs. Seems like kind of a random thing that's included in the text. And yet, as I'm reading this, I'm thinking, well, you know, springs of water, that's different than streams of water. Springs of water is artesian water, water that bubbles up on its own. A spring, not a stream. And so she's wanting living water to make her barren land fruitful. And I can't help but think there's a parallel to our life today. Because Jesus said, if he that believes on me, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And this he spoke of the Holy Spirit, which they believing on him would receive. Jesus identifies the Holy Spirit in a way that's called rivers of living water. Artesian water that springs up on its own, fresh, purified water. And I just want to tell you that there can be no fruitfulness in your life spiritually without the Holy Spirit. If you're trying to be religious and obey the Christian life because your parents did, and this is what you're supposed to do, but you've never come into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ and had the Holy Spirit indwell your life, you don't have that springs of life yet. You might have religion, and religion provides its own kind of satisfaction where you can feel like I've done these things and so God ought to bless me. That's completely different than springs of living water. When you believe on Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit immediately comes into your life, makes his home there. And for the first time, you get to taste a purpose of life through your fellowship with God that nothing else can match. And it makes your barren land fruitful. If you're trying to be religious or trying to be a Christian and you've never come into that personal relationship with Jesus Christ, it's a chore. It's not how much you read the Bible, not how much you pray, not how much you give to the church, not how many things you try to obey naturally. The question is, does the Holy Spirit have your life? Because that's an essential question. So how do, you, how do you get that? You ask. How did Aksa get that? She asked Caleb. That's all it took. And Caleb said, yeah, that's yours. Absolutely. So if you need... If you need that life from God, all you have to do is ask him. He calls you to repent from your sin and believe on Jesus that he sent to to bear your sins so that you could be forgiven and receive the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And and in the context of the Beatitudes, peacemaker, the the greatest peace 
that a peacemaker is, is, can bring is peace with God, by the way, because that's God's greatest heart, not simply resolving conflicts, but to bring peace with God. We're called to have a ministry of reconciliation, reconciling man to God. And the condition of a peacemaker, if two armies are fighting and one army wins, who sets the conditions of peace? Not the loser, but the one who conquers. God has set the conditions of peace for you to be at peace with God. And he said one thing, believe on my son and you'll have eternal life. That's the conditions of peace. He conquers you so that he can draw you to himself. What a God we serve. I fought with God for so long, and he persevered, 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 and finally the wall broke down. And then it's like the sun came up. To be a person of faith, you have to start on God's terms. God wants you to finish well in your life. Even if you've had missteps and collapses and failures and great sin, God's not done with you and he wants to restore you because he wants you to finish well. He that's begun a good work in you is faithful to complete it till the day of Jesus Christ. And you've got to believe that by faith, even though your life is a shambles right now. But God takes all those dark pieces, broken pieces, and he puts them together in his own mosaic. Um, And it looks like Jesus when it's done. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your word today. And we're asking that you would do business with us. Meet us where we are. Break through to our times of resistance and hardness. We ask you to accomplish everything that's in your heart regarding us. Please, Lord, we're asking in the name of Jesus that whatever hinders us from fully following you. Would you show that to us and then give us the courage and the strength to release it to you and to do whatever you set before us to do. Lord, you have great adventures for us. Help us to find you in the midst of it. We look to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand. This morning, if you want to turn your life over to Jesus Christ, as we've talked about, please, after the service, come up and talk to any of the worship team, or you can talk to me out in the hall or any of the leaders here. And let's get this settled and go forward in your life, all right? Let's worship.